Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, and we are going to look at verse 7, but not just verse 7. But before we do that, let's pray. Lord God, we are so thankful for who you are and all that you have done for us. And specifically, Lord God, we thank you for this day that you've given us to come and worship you and to learn about you. So we ask as we read your word and proclaim its message that you would speak to us in a powerful way. That you would show us, Lord God, how we can honor your name as believers in this world. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Exodus 20, verse 7. As you know, we are going through a study called the beautiful law of God because we're looking at the Ten Commandments. And this morning, we're going to look at the third commandment. But before we get there, I just want to give a quick recap of where we are What's going on here at the time the law was given? If you remember, we started a few weeks ago, and God has delivered his people out of slavery and brought them into the wilderness before he takes them into the promised land. And he is going to command them or direct them towards the covenant that he has created with them. And we learned that a few weeks ago that Israel are God's special people. And I just want to go back for a second. These verses will not come up. But in chapter 19, remember God told Moses, he says, now then, in chapter 19, verse 5, now then, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, because he was making a covenant with them, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, These are the words you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So God's covenant is with a specific people here in our text this morning. It is with the nation Israel. That's why in verse 1 of chapter 20, it says, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God. He's specifically the nation of Israel's God. Again, he's making that distinction. I've pulled you out of Egypt for myself. You are mine and I am yours, and so to speak. So he brings them out of the land, land of Egypt and out of slavery. So God's kind of kept his end of the bargain or the covenant that he's making. This is what I have done, and you are my people. Therefore, you are to reciprocate your obedience and love for me in the following ways. And that's why we find ourselves here this morning to look at these Ten Commandments. And God is telling the nation of Israel how they are to relate with him. His expectations of how they are to portray their love for him and their obedience for him. And you know, there's ten commandments. So the first four deal directly with Israel's relationship with God. How they are to interact with God. And the remaining six are how they are to interact with everybody else. And so again, this morning we're looking at the third one. But just as a way of reminder, the first commandment was that they are to worship God alone. He was to be the only God in their life. Everything else is to pale in comparison. And the second commandment we looked at last week as well is that they are to worship him in a way that he commands them to worship. They don't get to make up the rules and worship him the way everyone else is worshiping their idols. God is saying, no, you are to be different. You are to worship me in in a different way. And so the third one now that we come to is this. Look at verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, 
for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So real simple, one verse, like I said, this is the third commandment. You shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain. And as we read that, well, what does that mean? We're going to define, we're going to dissect this verse a little bit to give us a, a bigger understanding, kind of unpack the meaning of what's going on here. So the first question that I have for myself as I was studying this is, well, what is the name of the Lord, right? Well, if, we're gonna, if we could do something wrong to God's name, what is his name? And what does it mean, secondly, to take his name in vain? So again, the first question, does, does God have a name? If so, what is it? You may have heard of different titles or names given to God. Jehovah is a name that's used. Yahweh, which we have right there on the wall. If you've ever wondered, what is that over there? That's the name of God, Yahweh. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Or there may be titles that are given to God that describe who he is or what he's done. Like El Elyon or El Shaddai. Or just a couple of them. You may have also heard the word Adonai referring to God. And what about the name Jesus? Is not Jesus God? Is that God's name? Well, Moses asked that very question. And so let's look at this. Go back in the book of Exodus to Exodus chapter 3 and look at verses 13 through 15. You remember Moses had... God had spoken to Moses out of the burning bush, and God was commanding him to go back into Egypt and talk to the sons of Israel. But before Moses was to go back, Moses said this to God. Or let's look at this conversation first in context. Verse 13 of chapter 3. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. So he's like, hey, when I go back to the nation of Israel, I'm going to say, hey, the God of your fathers, Israel, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, your ancestors, he has sent me to you. Now, they might not believe Moses. They're like, well, who, what's his name? Who is he? And this is what he asked. He said, well, what is his name? If they say this to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So when Moses goes back, he's like, well, who do I tell them who sent me so that they believe me? And God said to Moses, and then God answers him. I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations so god's again what's your name he says i am that i am well what does that mean it's the hebrew word ayah which means to cause to be he's like i cause to be that's who i am the word or that name is written with just four letters it's w h w h you may have seen that before we pronounce it or it's transliterated which is on the wall right there yahweh the uh with no consonants, W-H, or no vowels, I'm sorry, W-H, or Y-H-W-H. That was his name. That's what's behind the uh, English wording there. It's Ayah. That's his name, which means I am, or I cause to be. And it refers really to God's being, because a name was more than just a designation. It really describes a character of somebody. 
You know, we use names now to identify ourselves. But if you think about a name that has meaning, you know, when you pick out babies' names, most people now are trying to find some significance to the name. What does it mean so that, you know, when your child grows up, they will, you know, fit into that name? You know, you may have sat down one day and picked out names, trying to pick out names for your baby. And you pick one person picks out a name and they're like, no, I don't like the name. That reminds me of, you know, this little kid I knew in second grade and they weren't very nice to me. And so that name has is packed with meaning. Or, you know, you may pick another name. And you go, no, that was uh, my girlfriend, you know, back in high school. And now they don't we don't want, you know, your spouse doesn't want that name either because there's, you know, baggage or whatever to that name. So it's more than just an identification. There's 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 more to the name. And so even when God is expressing who he is and all those names are read a little bit earlier, they're more of describing his essence, his character, his power, his authority. It's really God's reputation. His name is his reputation, his character. So in one sense, that's why the Israelites revealed, revered God's name so much because it was God's essence. It was said that they wouldn't even speak his name verbally. And if you notice in our scriptures, you don't actually see the word Yahweh. For example, if you look at the text that we were just looking at, you notice that in verse 15 where it says the Lord, it is in all caps. L-O-R-D is in all caps. That's usually the word Yahweh or Ayah. And so the translators originally that Yeah, the translators, when they wrote this, they didn't use those words because of reverence for God's name. So if you notice, whenever you're reading through your Bible, when the the word Lord is capitalized, that's God's name. They just, out of reverence, don't want to write it down. Interesting. So let's move on. So this is God's name. It is literally Yahweh, meaning I cause to be or I am, which is translated here. Uh, commentator said that Moses would have actually heard, you know, if it was in English, obviously. I don't know what language God spoke to Moses, but he would have heard, I cause to be. That's who I am. I cause to be. And we've translated, I am. So what else can we learn about God's name before we uh, talk, before we go back to Exodus 20, verse 7? Well, let's look at a few references in Scripture, how God's name is described. Scripture declares that God's name is holy and awesome. So turn with me to the book of Psalms and look at Psalm 111. We're just going to look at a few. We can probably find a whole bunch of these. But I just want to give a few to point out how awesome God's name is or how Scripture declares God's name. And again, it's talking more about than just the name. It's his character, his being, his power, his entire essence. Psalm 111, look at verse 9. It says, He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. It wasn't like it was just a cool sounding name. No, it was more than that. It was his entire being. God is holy. And God is awesome. Also, turn with me to Psalm 113. Uh, Psalm 113, look at verses 1 through 3. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord for this time forth and forever. We just sung that, right? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is it just God's name or is it his entire essence or being? If, if you think about the lyrics in that song, blessed be the name of the Lord. Again, blessed be his character, his power, his essence, his ability. That's really what we're praising. And then verse 3, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So not only is God's name holy and awesome, it is also to be praised. Uh, Turn back now to uh, a different verse in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 28, verse 58. Deuteronomy 28, verse 58. I want to show you another description of God's name uh, according to Scripture. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 58, God describing to the nation of Israel, if they don't do all that he has said, that the plagues that are written in, the, in this book are going to be upon them. And look at what he says. If you are not careful to observe all the words of this law, which are written in this book, to fear this honored and awesome name, the Lord your God. You see that? This honored means set apart or sanctified, awesome name, the Lord your God. And there again is an example of L-O-R-D in all caps. The name, the Lord. His name is really not the Lord, but that's the way it's translated out of reverence. It's Yahweh, or again, if in Hebrew it would be Ayah. We just pronounce it Yahweh. So again, Scripture declares that God's name is holy and awesome, honored and awesome, It is to be praised and blessed. And one last one, just because it made me think of a worship song, uh, Proverbs 18.10. If you've been a Christian for a long time, meaning like since the maybe late 80s, 90s. Has anybody been a Christian since the 90s? Okay, so I'm going to expect you to sing this song. You know, you read Psalms or Scripture and it's a song and you start singing it in your head. But in Proverbs 18.10, it says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Who remembers that worship song? Who wants to sing it? David, come on. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and and I think the worship song is it, and are saved, right? Basically meaning God's character is salvation. His ability of salvation, he can guard, he can protect. It's a strong tower. Again, the names of God are more descriptive than just identifying who he is. They describe his character. So as you begin to understand that, you can start to to become clear on why God honors his name so much. Because it's talking more about his character, his entire being when you talk. Speak of God's name in vain. So let's go back to Exodus 20, verse 7, and read that again with this understanding of what it means to say the name of God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not take the character, the ability, his entire being or his essence of the Lord your God in vain. So that brings us to a second question. How was God's name taken in vain, or how is it taken in vain? Well, the word vain means to be empty, like emptiness or vanity or worthless. 
So it would be raising up God's name for no good purpose. Literally, it would be misusing God's name. So according to Scripture, let's look at a few examples of the misuse of God's name. And we're going to come up with, uh, let's see, how many do I have? I just have three. Yep, just three. There may be more, but we're going to talk about three this morning. How can God's name be misused or taken in vain? Well, the first one is to curse it, speak wickedly, or blasphemy God's name. And let me give you two examples of this, of what, uh, what this means. In Psalm 139, so you could turn back to Psalm again, to the book of Psalms again. Psalm 139, verse 20, says this. It says, For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. In Proverbs and Psalms, the, the second sentence is usually a clarifying sentence or another way of restating the first sentence. So, for they speak against you wickedly, your enemies take your name in vain. So a way of taking God's name in vain is speaking wickedly against God. And I don't need to give an example of that. When anybody says something against God or curses God or blasphemes God, that would be taking the Lord's name in vain. Because again, you're speaking against God's character, his being, his ability, and his essence. So it's not just saying his name, you know, as a, as a bad word. It's about, you're talking about his character. Of everything that God is, his totality, and you're cursing it. You're speaking wickedly of it, and you're blaspheming God's name. Let me give an example of this in the book of Leviticus, chapter 24, uh, verse 10. In Leviticus, chapter 24, it says, Now the son of an Israelite woman, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the sons of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel struggled with each other in the camp. So obviously there's this a, a boy and a man who are struggling in some sense. And look at what happens in verse 11. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name of God and cursed, so that they brought him to Moses. Now his mother's name was Shalomith, the daughter of Dibri of the tribe of Dan. For some reason, the author thought that was important. But for our lesson this morning, so here's an example of somebody, a young boy probably, or maybe a young man, using God's name and blaspheming it, cursing it, it says, he blasphemed the name and cursed it. So this is one way where you could use the Lord's name in vain. We'll come back to him later on in this message. And as you think about that, our society now uses the Lord's name as a curse word, doesn't it? As a punctuation to their shock or astonishment. You know, we use the acronym, and I'm not going to, the O-M, and then there's the other letter. I, I can't even do that. The Christians always say, O.M. gosh, or O.M. goodness. It's like, come on, <laughs> you're still doing the same thing. The other day I was out for sushi, and there was a sushi roll with that acronym, but, you know, spelled out, oh my, whatever, sushi. I didn't order it, I spit on it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I was, but that's, but the point is, is our society, it doesn't mean anything the name of the Lord, or the title of the Lord, that they can just put that on a menu. 
you know, again, that's one way of, that's raising up a holy name as worthless. It doesn't mean anything. It's a curse word. It's a sushi roll. It's more than that. Again, how blessed and holy is God's name? How honored and awesome is God's name? Remember, when you use God's name, you're speaking more than just a des- an identification. You're attacking his entire being when you curse it or use it in such a way. According to scripture, you curse the name of the Lord. You're using it in vain. Again, as an astonishment, as a, you know, you're shocked. I mean, I don't think you can watch a TV show without them using the Lord's name in vain. Not only is it used that way, but it's also used to curse people or condemn them to eternal punishment. Right. You're 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 damn somebody. You know, you know what word I'm thinking of when people say that, you know. They're cursing them to eternal punishment, but they're using God's name and they don't even really know what they're saying. They just use it because, you know, they're. You know, damning somebody. I think it is used too flippantly in our society today and unfortunately even in the church. Some believers will use that and not even think about it, right? The Lord's name or the title, you know, saying God or, or the Lord Jesus Christ, using his name in vain. And honestly, church, this should not be done. I'm going to say that right out. Don't use the acronym. Don't say the word unless you're praising his name. We just sung a song, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And some people use it for other reasons. They're not blessing the name of the Lord. And it's a misuse of God's name. Honestly, I would rather have a person use the vilest, most filthiest cuss words than to use the Lord's name in vain. Me personally. When somebody at work uses the Lord's name, you're like, oh, I'd rather hear him say something else, honestly, than using that so flippantly. It just cuts you like a knife. I don't know if you feel that way when somebody uses it like that. So a misuse of God's name, according to Scripture, is to, to curse it, to speak wickedly, or to blasphemy God's name. Or another example that people can use God's name in vain is to swear falsely by God's name. Look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12. Leviticus 19, verse 12 says this, You shall not swear falsely by my name, so as to profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So what does it mean to swear falsely by God's name? Well, you would use his name to kind of say that I'm really speaking the truth, right? Like, a, like I'm honest, you know, honest to something, or I swear to I'm speaking the truth. You understand what I'm saying? That would be using God's name to swear false, you'd be, you know, swearing falsely by God's name. You know, Jesus told us in Matthew 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 33, you might remember this. What does Jesus say about this? In Matthew 5, verse 33, he says this. Again, you've heard, it, you've heard the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say do you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, 
or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Jesus is saying, just speak the truth. When you say yes, make sure it means yes. You don't have to swear by something to add emphasis on it so that they really believe you. That would be using God's name in vain. And not only that, some people might try to get around it by not really saying God, but saying something else. And I think that's why Jesus says, uh, don't swear by heaven or by the earth, for it is God's footstool or where uh, God's throne room is. Even those things that are related to God, he's saying don't use those falsely. Again, don't use God's name to stress or declare your honesty or commitment. Those would be swearing falsely by God's name or even just straight out lying and using God's name so that they would believe you. I think that's what he's talking about here. So, to curse God, speak wickedly, or blasphemy God's name is a way of misusing it or speaking it in vain. To swear falsely by God's name is also another example. And thirdly, um, actually we're going to have four, it looks like, uh, to worship falsely. To worship falsely. Well, what does that mean? Let's turn to the book of Ezekiel for this one. So here in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 20, we're going to go to verse 39 specifically. But in Ezekiel chapter 20, the elders of the nation of Israel have come to God, and they are asking of him, or they're seeking out to inquire of the Lord. And God's like, how dare you guys come to question me when you don't even really worship me you don't even really follow me and all through chapter 20 god's describing to them how they do not follow after him you know they were essentially breaking the first and second commandments they were worshiping other gods but yet they wanted to come to god and inquire of him they weren't getting rid of their other gods they were we talked about this last week they had yahweh as god and maybe a high place or an idol that they also worshiped but they wanted to come to God and inquire of him. And this is what God's response is in verse 39 of chapter 20. He says this, As for you, O house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, Go serve everyone his idols, but later you will surely listen to me, and my holy name you will profane no longer with your gifts and with your idols. You see, they were worshiping falsely. He was saying, your idol worship and your fake gifts that you bring to me are actually using my name in vain. You're worshiping me only by words and not with your heart. You know, that's what he's talking about there. A modern day comparison of this, if you can already imagine, is those people who come to worship God on Sunday or seek him in prayer even though they have not fully abandoned their old life. They have, you know, a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of something else. And if you were here last week, we talked about how the first and second commandment really specify that you have God and God alone and nobody else that you serve. And as God was describing to the nation of Israel in the second commandment what real worship was, he was like, you have to put away those false idols and you worship me and me alone. You don't worship me and something else. And we talked extensively about that. And so this is what's going on in Ezekiel 
where God is telling the elders of Israel, no, you guys are blaspheming my name by worshiping like this. By coming in and inquiring of me and pretending that you believe in me and that you follow me, but yet you have all these other things in your life that show the contrary. That would be an example of worshiping falsely. And again, for, for us, or maybe some of you in here this morning who are, have maybe not yet fully embraced Yahweh as Lord and Savior, you might be here at church on Sunday and you might want to pray to Him and you worship Him, but you know in your heart you don't truly follow Him. You're following something else. And even, again, I want to uh, go to Matthew chapter 15. And Jesus spoke to this issue specifically with the Pharisees uh, and the religious leaders of his day. Look at what he says in Matthew 15, verse 7. He says, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. These These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. In vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And again, there may be some in here this morning where that might really describe you, is that you're giving God lip service, but in your heart, you know you truly do not follow Him. Now, I'm not saying, hey, you go out, you know, if I sin one time that you're not a true believer. That's not what we're saying. Remember, he's talking here to the Pharisees who didn't believe in Jesus, but they pretended to honor God. So that would be the equivalent of today. If somebody's here who doesn't really believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, has not embraced Him, has not embraced His work, but is raising their hands and worshiping God, or prays to them. You know, like, I have my prayer time, I pray to God, but yet the rest of their life they have not forsaken their old life. That's what we're talking about here. So that's worshiping falsely, and that would be using God's name in vain. For those who do not believe, it would be better if you just sat there when we worshiped and not sung. Because it's not coming from the heart. Right? Again, going to what Jesus said, it would be, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. That would be worshiping falsely. And again, that's what the nation of Israel was doing here in Ezekiel 20. So, to misuse God's name, according to Scripture, again, is to speak or curse, speak wickedly of Him, curse Him, or blasphemy God's name. Secondly, it would be swear falsely by God's name. Thirdly, it would be worship falsely. And fourthly, to speak falsely in God's name. To speak falsely in God's name. Go back to the book of Jeremiah, uh, verse 14. Uh, chapter 14, and look at verses 14 through 15. So to speak falsely in God's name, what does that mean? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 14, there, look at what it says in uh, fourteen fourteen. Then the Lord said to me, the prophets, so there's these prophets in the nation, and they're prophesying falsely in my name. So they're saying they're speaking for God, but they really aren't. Look at what God says about this. I have neither sent them nor commanded them nor spoken to them, and they are prophesying to you a false vision, divination, futility, and the deceptions of their own mind. 
So he's saying, these guys are saying they're speaking for me, but they're really just speaking out of their own head, uh, what they want to say. Verse 15 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who are prophesying in my name, although it was not I who sent them, yet they keep saying, there will be no sword or famine in the land. By sword and famine, those prophets shall meet their end. So what they were saying is, hey, there's nothing bad's going to happen to you guys here at the time in, uh, where Jeremiah is prophesying. Everything's going to be great. There's not going to be any problems in your life at this time, what's going on in the nation of Israel. And God's saying, that's not a prophet for me. That's not what I have to say to you, Israel, at this time. So they were saying, thus says the Lord, and then they were falsely prophesying. And unfortunately, there are many churches today where somebody will get up on stage and they will say, right, thus says the Lord. Or the Lord is telling me to tell you this morning, and they go off and say something. But they're not reading from Scripture. There's this uh, Dr. Uh, Steve Lawson. I like what he said. He says, no one comes into the house saying, thus says the Lord, unless there is a chapter and verse attached to it. I love that, meaning this is what the Lord said, not what you think the Lord is telling you to tell the church today. Unfortunately, in many of our churches, that's what happens. Like, I got a word from the Lord today, and he wants me to tell you, and the dude's not even reading from the scripture. He's just saying stuff. I'm like, really, dude? You better be careful when you say, thus says the Lord. Some people use God's name too flippantly to get their agenda out. I would be very leery of saying, thus says the Lord, and again, doesn't have a chapter or verse attached to it. Because now what you're telling me, this guy or or woman who may be saying that, is that your word is just as good as the Bible, because you're saying it's God's word. So we need to be very careful of doing that. Just like when somebody said, God told me to tell you, has anybody ever been approached and said that? Okay, good. Good for you guys. <laughs> the false prophets aren't messing with you. you know. So we've got to be very leery of that. Don't be flipping and saying, hey, God told me this, or God told me that. We probably have all heard that. You know, or God told me that I, that I need to do this, or I need to do that. Are you sure about that? Be careful when you say things like that. Because you're saying you're speaking for the Lord, and I would just... Be leery of that and be careful. I'd rather say, I, you know, I would just be honest. Say, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to do this. Well, that's good. Then, then do it. You know, God's given you wisdom. God's given you the scriptures to make decisions and go out and do it. Don't blame God for your decision. Don't use God to emphasize that your decision can't be questioned. You know, God told me to do this. Again, unless it has chapter and verse attached to it, I'm going to, probably be a little more leery if god really said that and so should all of us you know if i ever come up here and say that just you know ushers or the say the security guys just take me right out of here right and we'll just get izzy back up here to do some worship right i'm i i hope i never say thus says the lord unless i'm reading from the prophets or something so again that's an example of misusing god's name Again, four things, using God's name or misusing it to curse or speak wickedly or blasphemy God's name, to swear falsely by God's name, to worship falsely or forcefully to speak falsely in God's name, saying you are speaking for God. So with all that said, let's go back to our text now. 
Um, so hopefully it gives you an understanding, a little bit of the magnitude of what God's name is and what it means and how we can use it in vain. And look at what God says would be the outcome of people who use God's name in such a way. It says this, the last part of verse 7, For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So the Lord is going to punish someone who uses, who misuses his name in such a way. Remember those false prophets I mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 14? Let's look at the outcome of them. Go back to Jeremiah 14 and look at verse 16. Let's see who can find it first. There we go. <laughs> Jeremiah 14. I need tabs on my Bible. No, I'm just kidding. Jeremiah 14, 16 says this. So after God said these prophets are prophesying falsely, right? And he says, by the sword, those prophets shall meet their end. In verse 15, those people also whom they prophesy to will be thrown out into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword, and there will be no one to bury them, neither them nor their wives, nor their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour out their wickedness on them. So not only will the prophets be punished, but all those who believe them and take it in will also be punished. Again, God will not allow his name to be misused. Remember that boy I mentioned in Leviticus chapter 24? Let's see what happened to him. Leviticus chapter 24, go back to verses 10 through 16. We just talked about him a few minutes ago. Remember, he was in a struggle, and he cursed God's name, and he blasphemed the name of God, and then they brought him to Moses, it says. Let's pick up in verse 12. They put him in custody so the commandment of the Lord might be made clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the one who has cursed outside the camp, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. You shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If anyone curses his God, then he will bear his sin. Moreover, the one who blasphemies in the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him, the alien as well as the native, when he blasphemies the name, shall put to de- when he blasphemies the name, shall be put to death. God is serious about honoring his name. Now, does this mean that if we break this commandment, we will be punished? How many of us have ever broke this commandment? You, you don't have to raise your hand. I know you did. No, just <laughs> we've broken it, right? In some sense, we have dishonored God's name. So should we be pun- so the question is, are we going to be punished? And I'm going to give you an answer. Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. Well, what do I mean by that? If you are a believer, right? That punishment has already been atoned for by Jesus Christ. So in one sense, yes, if we have misused the name of the Lord at some time in our life, that punishment is already laid on Jesus Christ. Whew. Right? We're like, whoa, thank you, because we were going to have a stoning outside after service. No, it's Jesus has paid the cry- price for all of us who have blasphemed the name of the Lord 
And maybe we even do it on accident. Maybe you ordered that sushi roll and you said, I want the oh my goodness sushi roll. You know, you blasphemy the name of the Lord. No, that crime has already been paid for. It's just like any other sin. Right here in the nation of Israel, God was doing something specific for the nation of Israel. So that sin was punished right away. But now we live in the age of grace where God has laid our punishment on the on the Lord Jesus Christ. So in one sense, yes. That punishment is paid for, but no, it's not going to be on us because we have trusted in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. So amen for that one. But if you are not a believer, then you will ultimately be liable for your sins. You see, God's grace is applied to both types of people this morning. For the believer, God graciously uh, had that sin paid for on his son, Jesus Christ. For the non-believer, you're saying, well, I, I just used it on the way here when somebody cut me off or whatever the case may be. Well, you live in the age of grace, too, because God has not punished you yet. God is gracious and merciful and not willing that any shall perish, but all shall come to repentance. So you, yes, you'll be punished for it, but you live in an age of grace right now. You have an opportunity to repent and return or repent and come to the Lord and believe that he paid for the price of all your sins, including breaking the third commandment. And God is gracious in extending that grace to you. But there will be a time when that grace will be removed. And then, yes, you will be punished for your sin against God. So let's not presume upon God's grace. If we've sinned against him, let's repent of it and call out to his name. Both believer and non-believer, cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So, God does not take the misuse of his name lightly, right? There will be a time of punishment. For the believer, it's already been paid for. For the non-believer, it is not. But you live in an age of grace, and God is extending it to you at this very moment. And so, again, I would urge you to repent and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, for a time of application here, how can we fulfill the third commandment? How can we not misuse the name of the Lord. And we'll close with two points. Number one, honor God's name with our lips. Praise his name. Right? Just like we did earlier. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's how we honor God, by praising his name. We also honor God with our lips by declaring his name to others, telling people of his great and marvelous works. And thirdly, we speak his name with reverence. When you mention Yahweh or God or Jesus or Adonai. Is that time up or something? <laughs> Whatever we say, we should use it with reverence. Don't speak it flippantly. Don't use the acronyms either. Because you know what you're saying. You're just trying to soften it a little bit. Don't do that. Honor the Lord God with our lips. Secondly, honor God's name with our actions, right? Be sincere in your faith. Don't worship falsely, but be sincere. And worship Him in sincerity. 
And how many times have you found yourself worshiping and you don't even realize how you got to that part of the song? You know, sometimes we we kind of not thinking about what we're saying and worship him in sincerity. Be sincere in your faith. So what happens when we sin against God? Well, you know, because none of us are going to do this completely well and we may even blow it today. Right. We may not honor God's name with our lips today. We may not honor God's name with our actions. But guess what? The difference is those who are believers they grieve over that and they repent. The non-believer doesn't really care. So you might be thinking, well, if I, if I do that, am I a believer? Well, my question to you is, do you grieve over it when you do that? Do you repent? Then you're a believer. If you don't, then you're probably not. Right? The believer grieves over his sin and praise God, help me not to do that again. Help me to overcome that. Because we're going to sin again and again. But again, God's grace has already paid the price for our sins. So again, how can we fulfill the third commandment? Honor God's name with our lips and honor God's name with our actions. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. And this commandment, Lord God, that you showed us this morning as we read your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help those of us who call on your name to honor your name with our lips and with our actions. And when we fall short, which we will do, that we would quickly repent and ask for forgiveness. And we thank you for your loving grace and your loving mercy towards us. And Lord God, I also pray for those this morning who do not believe in you, who are guilty of this breaking this commandment, Lord God, as well. I pray that this morning that they would see how awesome and worthy your name is and how you've already paid the price for their sins if they would only call out on your name and believe in you. I pray this morning that they would do that in the quietness of their hearts and in their seat this morning, that they would call upon the name of the Lord and believe in you. Help us, Lord God, to honor you with our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.